Hello, my name is Amina Dore, Public Education Coordinator at the Sexual Assault Support Center of Ottawa. You're listening to Voices Must Be Heard, a podcast centering and empowering the voices of young survivors of gender-based and sexual violence. This podcast sheds light on the firsthand experiences and accounts of survivors navigating their healing journey, discussing the realities of trauma, societal pressures, barriers, and challenges, and learning what healing and taking your power back can look like. We're honored and privileged to create a safe space for survivors to tell their story, and we hope this podcast can be a safe space for listeners as well. This podcast will be discussing topics around gender-based and sexual violence, trauma, and may depict graphic descriptions of said topics. If you're feeling overwhelmed or impacted by the stories shared, please call Sask Ottawa's 24-7 support line at 613-234-2266. If you're looking for information about our services, please visit our website, saskottawa.com forward slash services. To get real-time updates on our community services, follow us at at SaskOttawa or at Sask Young Women Program on all platforms. Links and descriptions of services will be provided in the show notes. Welcome to our podcast called Voices Must Be Heard by Sask Ottawa under the Young Women Project. Today, we have one of our lovely participants. I'll leave them to introduce themselves if they feel comfortable doing so. I guess we can just start with a, with a quick check-in on how we're doing, whatever feels comfortable for us. I can go ahead and start. So my name is Esther. I work here at Sask Ottawa as the volunteer coordinator. I also do support work and I'm spearheading this project with a couple of teammates and our lovely service users who have been so amazing, been collaborative in, in this process. And I'm really looking forward to, to doing this. And yeah, feeling good. Thank you, Esther. I'm feeling very grateful to be a part of this process. So my name is Oriana Delgatti and my pronouns are she, her. How am I doing? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, this is kind of the big thing on the calendar today mm. is this podcast. Um, like I said, I am going out to do a little bit of uh, hanging out at the DJ, my, you know, DJ club Yeah. afterwards though. So um, I'll be having some fun other than some nice. nervousness, nice. anxiousness. Let loose after. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So that's how I'm doing. Yeah, you have a voice built for radio. Oh my gosh. I can listen to this forever. <laughs> Someone once told me that I sound like Miley Cyrus and I was Oh like, my gosh, yes. Yeah, and that was yes. the exact reaction. <laughs> yes. Wow. How has it taken me this long to realize that? Yes. Nice. <laughs> Love that. All right. So um today we're going to talk predominantly about relationships. And one thing with these episodes is they can go anywhere we feel they need to go. So it could start with relationships and lead into a whole other thing. But please be mindful and take this journey that Oriana and I are about to go on with a lot of care and a lot of grace. And I we hope that this leaves someone, even if it's one person just feeling a little bit more affirmed in their their stories and their experiences and feeling like, you have community through this podcast. I guess a good place to start is what does what do relationships mean to you and what, what do you define them as and how do you see them? So I think that a relationship is really that connection or that 
bond between two people. And I don't necessarily think that it has to be sexual or romantic. I think a relationship is, by definition, really just that connection that two people have. I mean, you and I have a relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not seeing you, but I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you're, you know, awesome. You know, that doesn't mean that uh, we don't have a relationship that is platonic, for mm-hmm. example, you know. I think that when people hear the word relationship, they often kind of immediately jump to that preconceived idea that it's a romantic or a sexual relationship, mm. you know? So when you when you ask someone, oh, like, how are your relationships? Like, they automatically think, oh, okay, well, she's asking about my dating life or yeah. my sex life, you know? Or, and I don't think that's always the case when you are talking about relationships just in general. Mm. Well, that, that That's a really good way to put it, especially because I feel like a lot of the time we forget that all of these relationships are important and they all matter in the same. People hold like romantic relationships to this like really high point. They and put every, it on a pedestal. Yeah, almost. exactly. Yeah. When like the people who have been there for you before these romantic are like your your friends, your family. And those are equally, if not more important as well. So I really like the way that you put that. When we think about relationships in the span, and we're going to talk, I guess, a little bit about each of these layers of relationships, but in the span of even in general, just speaking about layers in relationships, yes, they, relationships themselves, they have so many layers. Yeah, I can have so many feelings towards like a friend if I'm like happy or mad at them or, you know, mm. whatever. But I can also have all these like layers of feelings for a romantic or sexual relationship as well. And I think that's also like a very big part of relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And when we talk about that, how do you perceive relationships in the context of even like as someone who's had like experiences of like gender-based violence, how do those how do those experiences change your relationships and and how have you navigated that? Wow, that's a that's a powerful question <laughs> to think about. Uh, okay, I think that my perception and my of my own self worth and self esteem were really challenged when I was in an abusive relationship. I think it really kind of showed me like a reflect, like a kind of like a, like it held a mirror up to myself and to kind of focus or have me focus on the fact that, well, why am I in this relationship where this person is not treating me nicely? You know, like, do I really think I deserve this? And the answer was no, I didn't think I deserved that. And that's kind of why I had to make the decision to leave. And even though it wasn't like a, you know, 10 year relationship or anything like that doesn't mean that it didn't still like impact me in more than one way, you know, like I, I think back to like that moment in my, in, in life and I'm like, wow, like I am such a different person, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel that I, I kind of like knew my self-worth, but I wasn't really wanting to tap into it. And I think that now, you know, after having been in this relationship where I was treated so badly, I think now I'm able to be like, you know what? Like, no, I am really cool and I am a really awesome person and I would be a great, you know, girlfriend to whoever is worthy of my time and Mm. to whoever is worthy of, you know, my love and my affection. So I definitely think that being in that low point kind of helped lift me up in a sense, you know? I mean, there's nothing truer than, uh, than when people say there's nowhere to go from the bottom but up right yeah. yeah yeah i really love that thank you for sharing that yeah no it's problem. really important 
And one of the points that you made that I wanted to touch on is a lot of the time when people who are in abusive relationships and are thinking about leaving or maybe are not, and that decision is not always easy. Sometimes people go back and forth with it. And because at the end of the day, like this is someone that you you might love and care about. And, and, and even though there's, it's not this healthiest or safest space for you, it is hard to walk away from. Would you be able to share a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Yeah, for sure. And this, again, touches on how I was saying that relationships have lots of layers to mm. them, you know? The person who I was in an abusive relationship, the most prominent abusive relationship that mm. I was in, which I'm referring to, it was a short-lived relationship. It was kind of like uh, we were burning a match at two ends or whatever. Mm. That expression is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a short-lived relationship, and... It really showed me almost like in fast speed the progression of this person going from what people would consider a normal functioning person to a narcissist, you know, or an abusive person. And I'm not saying that all narcissists are abusive or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, in this case, this person was. And so it literally sped up like to the point where like one week it would be this and the next week it would be like physical, you know? Yeah. Like it was, it was not a, it was not a slow progression, which I think a lot of people are more familiar with, mm. you know, they're like, Oh, watch out for the signs or, you know, be careful, you know? But uh, I think that when it happens at a certain speed, you're kind of almost, you know, like taken aback, you're kind of almost like, like just watch, watching all this happen in front of you and you're like, whoa, like when, when did this happen? When did this get here, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so leaving, leaving was a very difficult decision, but it was one that I felt that I needed to do to stay true to myself because I had been in a relationship previous to that where I felt I had lost myself in the other person and I really didn't like that feeling. But I think it's important to stay true to yourself and to you know, recognize your own individuality and, you know, what makes you you. And so I was like, you know what, before this gets worse, I'm going to I'm gonna cut this off because mm. I see this is not going anywhere good. Thank you for sharing that. For sure. I'm sure a lot of people have had similar either experiences or similar thoughts surrounding relationships like that. It's funny because like, I don't want to say funny, but it's it's interesting because my ex would really try and encourage these sexual relationships with other people, you know? And so it, it would put a strain on our relationship, right? Because I'm like, I'm monogamous. And he's like, ah. he's like, well, now you're polyamorous. I'm like, that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, but uh, no. By him trying to add something to our relationship, it ultimately deteriorated the relationship. I really liked what you said about a person trying to add something and and is that at the point where you started to realize a little bit more too like this is not what I signed up for yeah definitely because yeah. I, I said to my ex at this point I said okay I'm open to trying this but maybe like after we've been dating for like a year or something you know like like I, I was you know I think that's the one thing that is kind of downplayed in uh, relationships is that communication is is of such a big point of mm. it and like I was able to have like solid conversations with this person you know I mean it was 
usually like kind of like only what they wanted to hear, but mm. they were able to, I, at least I felt I was being heard. Yeah. I might not have been listened to, but I was, but I felt I was yeah. being heard, you know, yeah. and communication is so important in like all relationships, you yeah. know, like even friendships. Like, yeah. um, I remember once we had a conversation on boundaries and I messaged someone, uh, who I have been on and off friends with for years. And I said to them, like, if we're good again, like we should have a conversation about boundaries because mm. I think it's one of our weak points, yeah. I, you know? And I think that just communication, even in friendships like that is important. It's important, Yeah, for sure. And boundaries are such a big thing in relationships and a lot of people, especially when we get comfortable, those lines get a little bit blurred and we start to let go of some of our boundaries or some of our non-negotiables because we're like, you know what, like it's annoying, but it's fine. Do you have experiences in that type of um, dynamic? And how do you navigate your boundaries, I guess, like in your current relationships, um, be they like friends or family or whatever? So one of my boundaries is that uh, because of my experiences and my trauma, I I don't like to be choked during sex. And that's mm-hmm. something that's very big in media and very big in, like, yeah. you know, like in all these things. Like, yeah. don't choke me, like, you know. <laughs> um, and so... The way that I kind of communicate this boundary with people is I tell them like up front, like if I'm expecting to do anything kind of like sexual with them, then I tell them like up front before, before, you know, anything Anything interesting happens, you know, I tell them like, do not touch my neck. I will freak out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that just me saying that very clearly has definitely helped to avoid any triggers Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, negative scenarios or moments. Mm -hmm. And so I think just like if you're upfront and if you're just very clear in your boundaries, if you know them, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes when people don't know their boundaries, they get like very anxious or uncomfortable. Mm. And then it's like, uh, you know, they don't know what, what they're reacting to. So other people don't know how to react to them. And it's yeah, like, that's understandable, too. But, you know, then it's kind of just about finding that source. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I, I've learned that really helps can help people to identify their boundaries, even thinking about what in my life or what drains me versus what gives me life, what what makes me feel good and versus what makes me feel uncomfortable. And in, as you mentioned in sexual context, what makes me feel uncomfortable in that sense? And what ways can I, how can I talk about this? Because a lot of the times we say boundaries are really, really hard. But as you mentioned, just talk about it. But it's not easy because you're having to potentially, quote unquote, disappoint somebody and the things that they might have liked yeah and it also makes you vulnerable exactly you, know? you you there's a certain vulnerability to announcing or giving away your uh some things that are like just uncomfy for you and yeah it's like you're opening yourself up to, and you don't know what the response is going to be as well because like if you ask to tell a partner like you know i don't like people touching my neck it could be all right yeah like i i completely respect that or it could be no i like doing that so i'm gonna do it and then that's a whole other... And yeah, then that just <laughs> goes down the rabbit hole, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there, there is that vulnerability to it. Um, and for folks who are, who are working towards that, be patient with yourself. And you learn your boundaries as well as you, like, experience life, too. Like, you don't just know everything yeah. right away. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I definitely think that's true, you know? Like, like there are things that'll happen and I'm like, oh, like I'm, I'm actually not okay with that, yeah. you know? yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I think it's a good way to segue into hookup culture. Awesome. Let's yeah. talk about hookup culture. I have been, I have been so interested in this topic for <laughs> so long. Like 
Uh, I think I even did one of my grade 12 or 11 summative projects on mm-hmm. hookup culture. So I've got lots to say. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm happy to hear that. I know like a lot of the times, um, particularly for survivors, there's that two very extremes where there's a stereotype or I guess a stigma where it's seen as either survivors are like super hypersexual and they want to have sex with everybody versus they don't want to do anything at all. And I know hookup culture plays a role in that too, because it's either one or none, especially like women. And when women don't want to play into that sometimes, like it's either like, cause I just watched Barbie. So I'm remembering what have you watched Barbie. I don't want to spoil it, but like there was like a bit in it about if you want, if you want to, Oh, like you're hypersexual and you're like super horny all the time. And if you don't, you're a prude. And like, it's those two very, and it's not true. Like people are able to whatever they want for whatever reason. But that's just my little segment. But I did want to ask you as well about your thoughts about like hookup culture as an individual who's had experiences or may not have had experiences. I have way <laughs> too many experiences. Right. I got stories, girl. <laughs> okay, that makes it sound kind of bad. But, no, uh... <laughs> no. We are a pro, pro-sex, pro Pro everything that is you. So please. But uh, yeah, no, I got stories, girl. <laughs> uh, hookup culture. I think hookup culture is so prominent nowadays. I think that, you know, from movies, TV shows, media, whatever, you know, oh, are they hooking up? You know, like, no, like, you know, oh, they're seeing each other, you know, la da da da. Like, I, you never hear, like, or you do, but it's a lot less common that you'll hear. They're in a relationship, you know, mm. they've been dating for so long, you mm. know, and the truth is, is that, you know, we, we used to live in this world that um, placed such a high importance on women getting married yeah. by a certain age and, you know, having kids yeah. and, you know, playing to this heteronormative, very like householdy type of, you know, look or, yeah. or way of being, you know. Like, you know, you have to be the housewife or the or the or the mom, stay at home mom. Yeah, you know? like the the traditional societal dynamics of what a man should be and what a woman should be, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And hookup culture challenges that. It really mm. does. But it challenges it so challenges challenges it. <laughs> challenges it. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> to the point that it's like, oh, relationships are bad. Mm. You know? You know, it kind of puts this like this like look on relationships like oh like because i'm not with someone i'm i don't want you to be happy you know you know mm. like it kind of gives it this like lens yeah hookup culture is it's like everyone is familiar with it you know it's like if you if you're at the club and new year dancing with someone like this person's going to expect for you to hook up with them yeah know? i'm like personally i hate hookup culture personally like not my thing you know like one time meets are just not for me you know and like, if that's your thing, then great. Like, you know, awesome. Have fun with that. But I think that hookup culture also places like high, high value importance on things like not communicating, you know? Mm. And so then it's like, you know, you, you're at this person's house and you're not able to communicate yeah, because, you know, you don't are, you don't have a solid relationship with this person. You don't feel comfortable with this person yeah. and, you know, like all these things and, and that can really like hurt or affect like things like sex for example yeah. you know or, or intimacy just in general i think that it's almost kind of like expected 
of certain women, depending on how they dress or like what they wear, how they act or whatever, for them to, you know, want to quote unquote hook up with someone. I think it's like astounding, like really, like, like the way that society kind of behaves surrounding this topic. Like, it's like no one would, no one wants to get to know each other anymore to eat or to even just build as like a foundation, you know, before going home with one another, you know? And you can do that. And it doesn't have to be like a full on, like we're partners now, like, like romantic, like you're my boyfriend or whatever. You can have that. Let's get to know each other a little bit more. Exactly. Like let's talk, like let's actually, let's talk. Cause it, it, it adds some sort of like human, cause I know a lot of people also feel like I've heard people say, you know, like I do this and I feel bad after. I feel horrible after because yeah, it makes you feel kind of like used. used yeah, yeah. 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 Because like a lot in a lot of cases, that is the situation. Humans are just kind of like you, but you're using, using each, each other, other you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 And anyway, so that's kind of partially why I don't engage in hookup culture. Like because I don't like the feeling of being being used, you mm. know. Um and it's a very like in my opinion, it's a very hedonistic type of perspective. Mm or type of way of doing things you know is to just be like hooking up like you know with whoever whenever I reached like a more mature point in my life Mm -hmm. and like which is now we'll say you know and um and I think that what you're saying about like being able to like have those relationships that are still kind of like hookup-y or Mm -hmm. you know like like friends with benefits type things like that. Like uh, I think if you're in a, have a more mature mindset, then you're able to really do do that effectively because you're able to communicate with this person, you know, what your dislikes, dislikes are like, you know, what turns you on, what turns you off, like all these other things, you know, like if, for example, like there's someone right now in my life who I have this with and who I'm able to, you know, who's, who has stated and made it very clear, like I'm not looking for a relationship, yeah, but we can see each other regularly yeah you know and that's that's a decent way of doing things you know because you're one communicating effectively and two you know you're you're setting the expectation beforehand and not leading anyone on like yeah you both know what it is i think that's another thing in the hookup culture too is that there's a lot of like leading on because Mm. because of the lack of communication you know like you are like oh i don't really know what this person wants like i don't know if they're into me or if they just you know want to have sex Mm. with me like you know like it's it's definitely like the lack of communication is definitely i think the biggest problem in hookup culture and even sometimes when people ask and the other person like maybe they have a feeling the other person likes them and they don't want to like fly out say i don't like you and they're like beating around the bush Mm -hmm. and then it just starts to create drama because you didn't just communicate like you're great it's just i just don't want anything serious right now yeah exactly Yeah, yeah it doesn't take away from the fact that like I enjoy spending time with you and I enjoy having sex with you, but I don't want a partner like in that sense of like romantic, like a boyfriend or girlfriend type of thing. I just want what we have right now. That's very easy to communicate. It really is. Yeah. And, you know, like the more you do these things, the easier it becomes, I find. Yeah. You know, because you're kind of just like, well, I have to communicate, you know, like I have to tell them. Yeah, I definitely agree. Has the way you viewed hookup culture kind of like changed as you've experienced like any type of violence because that changed a little bit or 
I don't want to say necessarily the violence, but like there have been da- there have been times when I've like hooked up with like people and they're they're like, oh, we're gonna drive you back, and then they like spend like six hours, you know, casually getting ready, like because mm. they said they would drive me back when, after <laughs> after whatever it is, yeah. you know. After this game, man, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like just like things like that. And I'm like, oh, like I want to go home. Man. Yeah. Like this is why I always carry a bit of extra money now, <laughs> you know, but uh, it definitely like kind of showed me like, wow, some people are really not great people, Yeah, you know, like they're really not great people. But like, I think like after that relationship, like I think I, I spent a long time healing because mm. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm getting into relationships like this for a reason. I've already had enough stuff happen to me in the past couple of years. Like, you know, I, I have a, I have a list, like it's pretty bad, but you know, I was like, enough stuff has happened to me. Like, I think I should just spend some time to myself. You know, I was like, I always see people doing that, you know, maybe I should try it. <laughs> and so I think that like, after spending seriously like maybe a year, year and a half, like just focused on myself, I am able to, you know, go out and indulge in these casual relationships mm. and, you know, I'm able to go out and indulge in club nights and yeah. things like this, things that I was felt very isolated and apart from before, you know. And that was even before my uh, my ex tried to isolate me, right? Because that's something that they will do with in uh, abusive and neglectful relationships that they'll try and isolate you mm. from, you know, your friends and your family. Yeah. I think just based off of what you said, a big part of public culture in itself is really having to trust someone you're just meeting to a degree. Like, I have to trust that you're not going to harm me and things are going to be okay. I definitely think that uh, as a survivor, as we're saying, that's something that crosses our mind, you know, mm. because we already do have that kind of any like fear, all the what ifs come up mm. or, you know, if we get triggered by something, you know, mm. and it's like, I try personally, my like my hardest to kind of weigh every scenario as like its own scenario. Mm. But I think that you also have to listen to your instinct. Definitely. You, you, know, yeah. to your, you know, you really have to. Like if your instincts are telling you like get out of there, like mm-hmm. get out of there, <laughs> yeah. And it's it can be hard to trust your instincts after you've been hurt, you know, because you know your instincts probably told you at some point that you weren't going to get hurt. And I really like that. Trust yourself. Listen to yourself. It's really important. One thing that I always tell people, um, especially when there's that lack of confidence or even like you're not sure about something, literally just tell yourself, "I trust you." I will tell myself, Esther, I trust you to make the best decisions for you. I trust my body to know what is comfortable and what is not. And to tell that to my mind so my mind can tell me to leave there as soon as possible. So a lot of people, we, we've we lost that trust in ourselves because we were like, you know yeah. what? Like I, I, I trusted myself to fall in love with this person and they were abusive and they did A, B, and C to me. And now I can't even trust my own my mind anymore because what if it tells me to go to someone else who's going to do the exact same thing yeah exactly yeah moving on to familial relationships as our last little component how do you define those relationships how do you navigate 
your familial relationships? I know. So I'm really lucky and I have a pretty good relationship with my dad and my dad's family and even my mom's family. It's my mom who I have the rocky relationship with. I uh, am very grateful for the fact that I can, that I feel like I can trust the people in my dad's family and that I'm able to kind of like confide in them mm-hmm. if something like bad happens to me. I know that's not always the case. Yeah. My parents or my dad, for the most part, has always been very supportive of me and my decisions. He's usually like the first person I call. And so in scenarios in which people have hurt me, like he's been the person I've called, you know. And I think it's really great that I do have that person in my life, someone that I'm able to, you know, trust and yeah. call and, you know, use as a resource. But, you know, there, then there's things like my relationship with my mother and my relationship with my mother is rocky, as I said. And uh, basically, my mom and I don't have the best communication, I guess would be the best way to put it. But even with setting boundaries with your mom in that sense, especially with parents who you might not be super comfortable with or is not as close to, I'm sure a lot of the times boundaries get crossed. And it's a lot of like you being frustrated at things that they're doing or how they're treating you. How do you navigate that with parents who you're not or family members you're not necessarily as close to or are not as like comforting as your dad, for instance? It's a lot of mindfulness. Mm. <laughs> I have to be very mindful, like, okay, like we're just thinking differently, like mm. If it's important, like, she'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, things like that, I guess. Do you communicate any of it to, to her? Yeah. Um, she's kind of, like, hard to get to see your point, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I hear that. In that case, you and I'll have to understand that, as frustrating as it might be, and figure out ways to to work through it by yourself yeah exactly that's kind of how it is yeah Yeah. okay that's good for coping as well yes it is helps with coping mechanisms for sure and besides that do you have any other boundaries that because i feel like um especially like with being like immigrants too a lot of the time immigrant families don't respect boundaries like i know that firsthand experience (laughs) it's the whole thing um (laughs) so um are there ways that like you've had to to just put some things in place um, to protect your peace and protect yourself? I want to say yes. Like, for example, like I can tell you like the way that my dad's family does things or the, things, or the way that my mom's family does things. Like they, you can tell there's a difference, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it might just be in their personalities or it might just be like in the cultures and the way, yeah. you know, how they were raised. Yeah. And Going back to your dad, what do you think is the greatest thing about having that sort of support? I think the greatest thing about having that support is that it's kind of like unconditional mm. because it's like from I love that from a parent that I feel I'm close with and mm. that I feel has like trusted me and been open with me and honest with me, you know, and all these things. I love that. We usually want to leave our listeners with something, a token whatever it might be, a little piece of advice, even like a poem or a quote. Do you have anything? You don't have to. You can just say bye. Put me on the spot. Why don't you? I mean, <laughs> let it come from the heart, you know? Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Maybe something you tell yourself when you need that little boost. Do you have like a, like a supportive song that you listen to or like an artist that makes you feel good? 
I think my favorite female artist right now is Melly, M-E-L-I-I. And then like recently I've been raving to an artist named Marlon Craft. Hmm. Yeah, he sings really nice songs. I'll play you one after. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to hear it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ariana, for, for coming in and for sharing and, and being as open as you are. Thank you for and having me. giving us those lovely little, what are, what are they called? Like your Excerts? sound? Excerpts? I don't know, your sound. <laughs> <laughs> your voice is nice. You have a nice podcast voice. Thank you. It's very soothing. Um, so thank you for that and thank you for sharing and that's it from us. Okay. Do you have anything else you want to say? I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. We can just say bye. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say I'm a photographer. Yeah. So follow me at PixbyOri. P I C S B Y O R I. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Voices Must Be Heard. This podcast is funded by the Telus Friendly Future Foundation. The Telus Friendly Future Foundation is a registered charity committed to youth with 100% of the proceeds directly funding Canadian charities. We'd like to thank Telus for providing us with the opportunity to center young survivors throughout this podcast. We'd also like to thank Pop-Up Podcasting for editing and production and the Sexual Assault Support Centre of Ottawa Team and Young Women Program. We'd also like to thank all of the numerous survivors who were brave enough to share their stories throughout this project. For more information about Sask Ottawa services, including our Young Women program, visit our website at saskottawa.com forward slash services or follow us on all platforms at Sask Ottawa or at Sask Ottawa Young Women program. All links and descriptions are provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening.